0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you, would you lead us to the cross? Because it's at the cross that we see what you've done for us. You know, we, or many of us have grown up with the, the language of, of John 3, 16, and you sent your son, and he died for us, and, and that, is, that is all good, but make it true, make it Make it pierce our hearts. So that, that folks, all of us, we, we know more what we know. Uh, what you have done in this world to save us. That, that we left on our own, we, we stand guilty in sin and face death. Uh, and with you and what you've done on the cross, we have life. Not just eternal life, but life now and so help us see that, help us see it today, not by me, not by any, uh, any friend, any, any leader, but by the power of your Holy Spirit through your church. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all. Have a seat. Take a Bible, please. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back, we'd love to give to you. And turn to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Today we're going to read verses 17 through 20 to start off. However, I'm going to be flipping around a lot of other verses because of the topic. Uh, And we are in this series that we've called Renew, Uh, Renewal. It is a main topic in Christianity, in the church, in the Bible, in that Jesus Christ renews us by His work on the cross, the Holy Spirit, can renew us, should renew us at the moment of our salvation and then in baptism, but also day by day, season by season, year by year. And my hope is for this church today, every Sunday on throughout its life, is that it would just continually be renewed by the Holy Spirit. That happens in worship. That happens in preaching and teaching. That happens in people. But we have to be open for it. And so my prayer is, it's always been for this church, that there's just an openness to the life of the Holy Spirit, uh, an openness to the supernatural, uh, an openness to yourself being a leader for Christ. And that's not my opinion. That's just what God's Word says. And it, it is a, life in Christ is an adventure. We talked about these missions, ministries, here, there. Uh, I mean, your life has purpose, and I want it to have passion and passion for Christ and His Restoring work in the world. But today we're doing, uh, we're talking about something specific in renewal, and that is enemies. Anybody got enemies? I got enemies. Anybody got enemies? You all, actually, whether you know it or not, you all have enemies. And I want to talk to you about, yes, you do, real enemies. But a lot of us think that we've got, uh, well, they're enemies, but they're really fake enemies uh, if you're a Christian, and they can be tricks of the devil. But we're going to talk about. Enemies and being renewed or renewal should help us in seeing who our real enemies are and seeing anew who we, who we think are our enemies. So it talks a lot about enemies in this passage, these couple verses that we're going to read. So turn again, Romans 12 and starting with verse 17. Paul writes to this church in Rome and to us. says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Okay. This, these couple verses say a lot of good stuff. Uh, don't repay, a lot of practical stuff. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Uh, consider give careful thought to do what's wise verse 18 is an often quoted verse uh, i've used it many of you've used it you know if possible as far as it depends on me live at peace do not avenge yourselves instead leave room for god's wrath uh, a word probably some of us don't aren't just crazy about i mean i'm not crazy about the wrath of god uh, particularly if you're here and you're not a believer or you're not really you know, into the whole church thing. I mean, the last thing you want to hear about is the wrath of God, right? Okay? And yet it's there in Scripture, and we at least have to deal with it, have to wrestle with it. So I want to try to show you four things, or at least looking at things in a different way. And it would be God, seeing God anew, us, ourselves, so you, me, Us together, enemies, and we do have them, and we do have real enemies. Actually, this passage says, you know, it's very open. If your enemy is hungry, he's saying you have enemies. And then last, others, which we're big about here, others, neighbors. So God, us, enemies, and others. So first, God. You know, God is, well, God is God. And if you believe in God, the way the Bible talks about him, you should believe, or be growing in your belief, that God is in control. Flip over to Romans 11. The last few verses of Romans 11. It's either on the same page or next page. Look at this. Romans 11, the last few verses of this chapter, verse 33, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments how untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. I love those couple of verses. It's actually a hymn. It's actually a song that the early church sang. And it talks us so much about God. I don't know about you, but often I will think about, you know, Verse 35, that, that I, I give enough to God that I need to be repaid. And here it's saying, like, who's given so much to God that he should be repaid? That God is, is so big, so grand, so mighty, he's so in control. Okay, so some of you, like, may know that or you've heard that, but apply that to your enemies. Or just apply it to people that you have conflict with. You know, instead of thinking of them as, as enemies or, or the conflict... Just think about God in this way, and you can think about, like, what's God doing in this situation? What's God doing in this relationship? And if you see a big God, which we talk about, and believe in a big God, and you look to Romans 11, verse 33 through 36, you're like, man, he is in control. And not just he's got this, which we like to say, but he's doing something in this. And it might be a process. It might be a process for you. It might be a process for them. And there is a mystery around that. So if you come to church, with like, hey, here's A, B, and C. On this situation, there's some mystery involved. But there's no mystery in this. From what the Bible tells, God is in control. If you believe in him, if you're bought in, and he's bought you, as he's led you to the cross, then he's, he's doing a work. Now, let's think about wrath. Because we can't deny, going back to Romans 12, it does say, Well, it says, vengeance belongs to me. God says that I will repay, leave room for God's wrath. Uh, So let's wrestle with this just for a couple minutes, you know. We don't like, or, well, I don't know you, but I don't necessarily like the idea of a wrathful God. Does anybody like that? Some of you probably do. You're just afraid to raise your hand. Uh, Does anybody like the idea of a judgmental God? God is judge. Uh, You know not crazy about that. I like grace, I like love, and you know, all that good stuff. But let me say this, and I've heard other pastors say this, okay? Uh, we need a judging God. We need, we need a wrathful God. I mean, if, if we're not going to strike back or take vengeance because, actually, I don't want to talk about y'all, just talk about me, because in my, and those, those who know me, uh, no, I, I'm game to strike back, okay? I mean, I'm game to hit back. Uh, I'm game to want to take vengeance. I mean, I'm concocting plans. You know, Anybody do that? Just like, you know, how can I just destroy <laughs> this person? You're like, I don't I really want to know that. But anyway, I think we all do it. I'm just being honest, okay? But if you go to the words, and don't take vengeance. So how can we, like, hold back? Well, there, there are a couple ways. But one is that we know... God's in control. And we know, we we know this if we read the Bible, that every human being will stand before God and give an account. How do I know that? A couple verses up on screen. First one would be Romans 14, 10. Let's see if we show that. Look at this. But you, why do you judge your brother or your sister? We're not to be judged, but there is a judge. Or you, why do you despise your brother and sister? Despising is a, is a real feeling, if we're honest. For we will all, all, that's what the Bible says, all stand before the judgment seat of God. Another one, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Hope you note these verses and go back to them. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And this one goes a little further so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, before going on, I've had a lot of questions and conversations about uh, this verse uh, with some of y'all. Because, I mean, if you're saved, if you're a Christian, you're not saved based on what you've done or not done, right? Amen? I mean, that's the grace thing. Come on, guys, right? right? Right, yes, okay. So what's this all about? Well, throughout... Christian history, after the Bible was written, there's been this idea that there are two judgments, okay? This is important, that there are two judgments, okay? The first judgment is the salvation judgment, like being saved, we'll celebrate baptized, baptism and all that, but that you're, when you become a Christian, you believe that you're, you're judged on the cross and you were given freedom, washed sins away, uh, nothing you know, that you do saves you, Nothing that you have done condemns you. You know, God washes away your sins. But then there's this verse, and this is like, I've always thought of it as an accountability verse, because there is no, you know, this guy Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he was a pastor in World War II Germany. Uh, he took up arms actually against his, uh, Hitler, kind of a hero of mine. But he said there really there's no cheap grace. And what he's talking about is the trap many of us can fall into. Like hey man I'm judged on the cross. I'm good. I'm free. I can do what I want. I can act the way I want to people. I can, you know, live in the, you know, seven deadly sins. Greed, lust, envy, you know, all. I can just just go to tell, ta- "Hey, I'm saved, man." You know, Jesus bought my life on the cross, paid for it. There's no cheap grace. There should be this change. And so there is in the Bible this second judgment. Now, let me say this. If you're a Christian, you've been saved, you don't lose your salvation. We believe that because the Bible says that. But there is this accountability. Like, I mean, it says it for us who minister God's Word in First Peter that we will, be, well, we will be held to a higher account. So I take that seriously, and that kind of keeps me up at night. But for all of us, we're going to stand before God and give an account. I don't know what he would say. I don't know what that that moment's like. I don't wish I did. But I think about it like, you know, how did you use the gifts that I gave you? Time is a gift. Life is a gift. Body is a gift. Mind is a gift. How'd you do? You know how? And even God, look, there's a mystery. God knows everything. But this also applies to those we might think of as enemies, to those who've wronged us. And, you know, we we face minor wrongs here. I mean, they hurt deeply. I mean, anybody ever been stabbed in the back? Yeah. Uh, Been betrayed? Yeah. Well, think about, you know, across the world, you know, Cherry alluded to this a little bit. I mean, like real deal conflict, you know, people killing loved ones in the name of another religion because of what they have done or, or might do ethnic conflict, racial conflict. I mean, there's some some real deal bad stuff people do to one another. And if we are to be peacemakers, as the Bible calls us to, if we are to love our enemies, as this passage calls us to, then we can know, hey, they're going to stand before the Lord. They're going to stand before the Lord. And I don't know everything, but I know that they'll stand before God. And that can help us say, I can love them, as hard as it may be. Talking about God, he's in control, but what about us? You, me, us. It's talking about, uh, as I open this sermon, seeing God anew, but seeing ourselves anew. What if we were, or are right now, uh, if you're not a Christian, but what if we were enemies of God? What if if you and me and all all of the good stuff that we've done before we became a Christian, I'm talking about. Living a good life, just being a good citizen, just rocking it, killing it in business, providing for our family. What if that person, and that might be you, and that was me, what if we were an enemy of God? Well, it's not my opinion. It's simply what the Bible says. So turn to Romans 5. Romans 5, I'm read verse 6 through 11. This is important to know because I don't know about you, but I like to see myself in a positive light. And even before I became a Christian, thought about myself in a positive light. Hey, doing good. Well, the Bible says if we're not in Christ, we're an enemy to God. Romans 5, I'm going to read verse 6 through 11 here. It says, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. For if, here it comes, while we were enemies... And again, this is not just talking about how the world sees, like, bad people. This is talking about everyone who's not a Christian before they become a Christian and then receive Christ. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. If you're Christian here, I am, I am a Christian, uh, we should say amen to that passage. I'm going to say amen, okay? If you're Christian, I mean, you, this is like, this is the real deal. This is the gospel. This You may not have heard this in a church, but that we're saved from, we're saved from the wrath of God. Uh, and that before I became a Christian, I was an enemy of God. And it wasn't in like explicit sin uh, that people see, I mean, I wasn't like, doing all the the carousing and drunkenness, although I did that, Uh, not all the covetousness and jealousy, although I did that in my mind. I mean, you don't always look explicitly bad, but in your heart, you're an enemy to God. And actually, that sin is still in me, and it's still in you. Uh, Tim Keller, pastor, well, former pastor who's retired now in New York, whom I admire a lot, he he said this, you know, a, a lot of us American Christians, we really don't understand sin. And he said this, he said, you know, every time I pray, I'm sinning. Every time I preach, I'm sinning. And one of the reasons I love him is because he's so open and honest like that. So I'd say the same is true for me. When I pray, I'm sinning. You know, you know God, help this be a good prayer. Um, God, you know, hey, hey, I need this. I need you to do this for me, by the way. Uh, God, I'm preaching this, but, you know, I, I want it to be good. I want to look good, all that. Every time I pray, every time I preach, I'm sinning. Why is that? Because there's this, there's a stain in me that has been washed clean, but still there. And in you, and I still want to be my own king. I still want to sit on the throne. And Jesus defeated that, but it's it's still there. And we're thankful that because we can't do anything about. I can't do anything about it. I mean, I, I can't I can't wash it clean. I can't change it. That's why it's all about. When we say the Christian cliches of trusting in Jesus, leading to the cross, that's what it means. That someone has done this. And, and we can walk in freedom. Knowing it's still there, but we're no longer an enemy of God. We've, and reconciliation, which that passage talks about, it, it means being made right with God. So when you receive Christ, you're made right with God. You are His child. You're not not born a child of God. You're born in God's image. And you may be born into your family's faith and family's church. Let's be clear about that. You're not a Christian. You're not saved until you receive Christ. And that can happen in a moment. It can happen today. It can happen this afternoon. And then we'd celebrate in baptism and all that. But you don't have to be baptized to have that moment or be a Christian. But at that moment... You're made right with God. And wherever you are, and whatever you got planned, I mean, He can begin to make more things right in your life. Renewal, looking at enemies, seeing how you were an enemy, so you don't judge people as much. And having this posture, and my wife and I talk about this a lot. I mean, just that's this idea of it's not like, oh, I am a Christian, is man, can you believe I'm a Christian? You know, can you believe God God did this in me, God's doing this in me, God, God saved me? Can you believe it? See? it's a humble posture talk about god talk about us so let's talk about real enemies i said everybody here has got enemies and it's not him or her that you might think about who's backstabbed you or who's gossiping about you right now okay they aren't your enemies or who's you know just wishes that you, you know, wishes they could i don't know maybe kill you or you know destroy your family or all i mean these bad people have these bad Thoughts. They're not your enemies. Boy, we do have enemies. So like, well, who are our enemies? Well, we got three it's called sin, it's called Satan, and it's called death. And those are three, those are enemies that the Bible talks about for Christians sin, Satan, death. And you know what? Jesus Christ has defeated all of them. Amen. He has. Now, you may not know that, you may not live it out fully. Let's start with sin. Jesus Christ has defeated first on the cross. Lead me to the cross. It's important to know he's first defeated the penalty for sin. So, everyone, this is the gospel. It first starts kind of bad news. The gospel is that first we stand accused before God. But on the cross, his work, he defeated the penalty for sin. So that that grace, in a moment, hey, I receive Christ, I receive the gift. That is it, man. You are good to go. Forever in heaven, but now here on earth. That's grace. That's just grace. Grace. The penalty of sin, it's done. It's taken care of. Now, it's important if you know, the Holy Spirit can and will continually help defeat the power of sin in your life. So I was talking about me, you know, my thoughts and all this. Well, the Holy Spirit is still doing a work on me. So I'm a lot better here than I was six months ago, a year ago, five years ago. The Holy Spirit is continually renewing me, just using myself as an example, destroying the power of sin's hold on me. Okay? So there's still this desire, but the more I'm in God's Word, the more I'm surrounded by Christian brothers and sisters, the more uh, I go for the Lord, honestly, to neighbors and nations. I mean, the Holy Spirit's doing this work. He's, he's literally, and for you too, He'll soften your heart, even towards enemies. Penalty for sin being defeated, the power for sin is being defeated in your life by the Holy Spirit. If you allow it, sometimes you want to be, be hard, but the Holy Spirit will defeat the power of sin. And then one day, one day, the very presence of sin will be defeated. So that new heavens, new earth, there will be no sin, no, no crying. Mean, the Bible says this, no crying, no. Jesus is defeated. Satan, he's an enemy, okay? And he is at work. And he is a defeated foe, but he's still at work. Now, a couple years ago, some of you might remember this, we were over at JA as a church worshiping, and I used a video of, I think it's a great TV show, Lost. Anybody like Lost here? I know we got a couple Lost fanatics. So there was a clip, there was a scene that I just thought really resonated. It still does. I was thinking about Satan, and it was towards the end, it was the last season. Great show, by the way, I'd, I'd encourage. It gets a little, a little sketchy in the middle seasons, but anyway, it ends real well, and there's a scene where Jack, and he's, he's one, of the, one of the main guys, and this doesn't ruin anything, but he kind of gives his speech to everybody, and he's like, man, you know, the real bad guy is making us think that we're all bad guys to one another and just making us want to fight one another. And I was like, to, now to me, that may not connect to you, but that was like so applicable to the devil and his work amongst us. Because he is working, okay, in this church, in every church in the world. But what he's trying to do is like get us to fight and bicker with one another even children of God that's what he wants we gotta see him he's the real enemy and we stand united as Christians this church every church um, we continually defeat him by the power of Christ knowing he's defeated and, and working and walking and acting in love and then death the third enemy let's let's go I wanna show one passage 1 Corinthians 15 all of Us here have not literally experienced death, although we will unless Jesus comes before then. Uh, We have emotionally experienced death because we've lost loved ones. But 1 Corinthians 15, 25 through 27, we usually read this stuff on Easter, but it's worth reading today. Verse 25, it says, For he must reign, that's Jesus, he's reigning now, Sit at the right hand of God until he puts all enemies under his feet. The last enemy, there's that word, our real enemy. The last enemy to be abolished is death. For God has put everything under his feet. It goes back to God being in control, putting everything under his feet. And yes, death is still present in our life now. But it's, it's also a defeated foe. And one day, the Bible says, I mean, basic... Classic Christianity says there will be no more death. That could happen tomorrow. It could happen in 200 years. It could, if you believe the Bible, that's what you believe. And those enemies have been defeated. And then the last thing, we'll close up. The last thing, God, us, enemies, and then others, so neighbors. And I, I emphasize this because I believe one of the greatest witnesses, maybe our greatest witness to our neighbors as Christians, it's not like knocking on the door, uh, inviting them to church. Often that might turn them off. Even it's not—I mean—in our culture, it's not like you know, giving food. I mean, they love that. But the greatest witness—you know what I think it is? It, it's how we how we deal with our enemies, or maybe it's what we don't do or say our enemies. And I'm also talking about people that know us and know we've got conflict with someone, and people are watching us. People are watching you as a Christian. How do they, how do they deal with that person? I'll give you two examples real quick. Uh, one, so a relevant one, let's say this church. So people have come to this church over the years. People have left this church over the years. You know, and they've left it, you know, maybe, maybe for good reasons. Maybe they move. Maybe they move to another town, city, state, Maybe they um, want to move to another area in this metro area. Uh, or maybe they get mad. Maybe they get mad at something here. Maybe they get mad at me. Okay. We've had all the above. So like how do, and I'm using myself as an example, so how do, I, uh, how do I react? How do I respond to that? Because it's painful. I'll just say that. I was telling somebody this week that you emotionally invest in folks, and they're like, peace out. And I'm like, Man, well, it was a nice five years or ten years or whatever it was. And that hurts. And so there is in me, and I'm being honest here, you know, I want to react, respond. And if we're all going to be honest, I mean, whenever someone, you know, disengages or checks out and you were close, I mean, you, you want to... So what do we do? I go back and I'm going to quote Tim Keller again because this he's a pastor and the same things happened to him. And he said, you know, when someone leaves our church, I always say this, and they go to another church. He says, "I always say, well, man, that church is just going to be all the better because they're there." And I love that because it's so countercultural. You know, I mean, you want to be like, well, our church is a lot better because they're gone. You know, I mean, seriously, come on, now let's be real. But you say, man, that well, that church can be a lot better for that. That's that's a love for and you're like maybe not call him enemy, but, you know, someone who is, could be an enemy. Let me give you another example in my life, and this happened yesterday. So this was not in, in the sermon, for, and this happened. So sometimes how we deal with enemies or potential enemies is simply just what we don't do. We don't say that word. We, we don't shoot that text off. We don't make that comment on social media. We, we just give it five minutes, you know. And take a breath. But yesterday, so I took my son Jack to the movies. Saw Thor. Good movie. Great movie. Uh, I love the, the superhero movies. Kind of tradition. We'll go to all of them. But it was a good one. Some of them are not so good. Anyway, I digress. But uh, so we're at the movie, and this is the only time I've ever done this with Jack. Because we're coming in, and, and my wife can tell you it's a sin. I'm like, I like to be like, you know, all things ready, popcorn, drink front and center. I don't like to rush in. I like to be settled, ready to engage in the production, okay? Some I mean, of I y'all like to be... Okay. So never done this before. I was like, Jack, you know, we're pushing it a little late. I was like, I'm going to get the popcorn and drinks and you go in get us a seat. Never done that. I uh, was curious, you know, if he'd make the right choice. But, uh... <laughs> anyway. So he goes in and... You know, he made it he made a good choice, uh, position wise, because he was front and center. But then I was coming up and I saw this. Now, I'm gonna get honest here, okay? Get honest in the mind, okay? I don't want you, I'm not asking you to judge me, but we're gonna be authentic here. Because some of you, if not all of you, can think stuff like this. So here we go. A lot more this is a lot more honest than like people leaving the church, okay? This is a lot more. Come up the steps. Come on which he didn't help, two drinks and a big bucket of popcorn, so I'm like, so I see Jack, and he's sitting front and center, and he's right in front of, here we go, okay, a large, I could already see him talking loud, black family. Okay? So in my mind, oh man, I'm like, dang Jack. Not because of them, but like, they're already, they're kids, loud. In my mind, I'm like, bad call, Jack. <laughs> bad call. Got to get another seat. So I call, I was like, come on, Jack. He's like, no, I want to sit here. I want to sit here. I was like, dude, I'm your dad. When I say something, you know, come on. He's like, no, I'm sitting here. He takes after his mom. Anyway. <laughs> 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 Love, you. He's you know, like, so I was like, okay, I'm going sitting there. So I get there. Man, they're, 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 they're kind of talking up a storm. I mean, it's not like, you know, party time, but it's talking. And yeah, man, my, one of my biggest pet peeves is I'm sitting down. And so all this stuff is going through my mind. One, like, do I, I talk to Jack? Jack, man, there's a couple seats down there. He's like, no, I'm going to sit here. Then I'm like, well, I'm going to sit by my son. But then I was like, God, what are you doing to me? So, and, you know, I'm trying to be honest about everything, so these thoughts are going through my mind, I'm like, you know, family, kids, um, you know, and I'm like, you know, and if I'm honest, there's, there's, there is the, the race card thrown in, I'm thinking that too, and I'm like, so what do I do? You know, I do nothing through the whole movie, just like, they're having a good time, these kids are having a good time, and the mom makes some snap. I don't know what she was doing, but she made some snapping noise. And finally, I just started kind of laughing at myself. I mean, it was just like, and, and then, you know, didn't say anything and walk out of the movie and see the mom. And she, she's actually dressed elegantly and she looks respectful. I, mean, I just, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like five inches tall, man, to be honest, I man. I just felt, back to Romans 5, man. I'm an enemy of God. It's only by the grace of God that he saves me. It's only by the grace of God that he saves you. The reason I say that is like, you know, see the, the stain that's still there, and it's, it's God's grace. And so sometimes, and I, I can't judge, because it's in me. And, you know, last thing I would say, the biggest witness is for us to love our neighbors who can be potential enemies. Uh, just a couple verses, Romans 13 Paul says, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments summed up in that verse. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Uh, That's real love, that's agape love, self-sacrificing love, supernatural love. It only comes through Jesus Christ, who has defeated the real enemies of sin, of Satan, of death. The sin that's still in me, Satan who's still attacking you, death that we fear greatly. Our Lord and Savior has defeated them. So the question remains for you, are you going to be made right with God? Are you going to be reconciled to God? Because some of you are not, and I don't want you to be his enemy. And you can be reconciled in a moment. And for those of us who are not his enemy, are we going to be renewed to see what's in us and to say, man, but Jesus has done it and I'm going to push through in love, in love. I'm not going to do that. And I am going to do this. And Jesus offers it to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your renewing love that just washes over uh, all of our of the sin that is, that is in all of us. And I just pray that you would convict us by it and help us know you've defeated it all. And so now we can be made right with you and we can, we can not do some things that we want to do and, and you will lead us to do others. Uh, to, and that is love. In your name we pray, amen.